You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Hey. Justin Davis. Coop. And a very special guest joining us for a very special episode. Jared Petty returns to the show. A Gaul, not a Viking. That's right. Yes. That's what Asterix is. We have all I, I can't believe that, that that conversation continued online. They're like, it's not it's not an Irish Gaelic person. It's a Gaul. I'm like, nobody said that. <laughs> nobody said that anywhere. I think you said, I think it sounded like you said Gaelic and you meant to say Gaulic. Like maybe that's you what they meant. I was saying Gaelic because that is the Americanization of uh, modern French Gaelic. You say potato, well, I say potatic. Anyway, thank you for having me, Damon, on this very special episode. I'm glad to be here. Asterix Gate continues, I see. And this is a very special episode because it is. Uh, our... It's Asterix Got. <laughs> <laughs> this is our 700th episode. Wow. 700 episodes of GameScoop, 16 and a half years. We like to joke that we're the only video game podcast. But I think there's a good chance we might be the longest running video game podcast. I don't know what else is, but, you know, <laughs> when I started this, there was like the one up podcast. And I, I think yeah. GameSpot had one at the time, but I don't think either of those are still going today. So I think mm-hmm. Retronauts has been around since 2006. Maybe. Well, that would be fitting and believable. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, then we're in we're in small, good company there. Absolutely. Anyway. 700 episodes. We'll have some fun uh, little uh, 
party shenanigans to oh. celebrate with in just a little bit. But Jared, since you're here over the last several episodes, we have a different fourth guest on every episode. We just we have to ask them their thoughts on the game of the moment. I think you're playing God of War Ragnarok. Have you finished it yet? Oh, I thought you were going to say Atari 50 if we're talking game of the moment. That's the other game uh, of the moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, God of War, no, I haven't finished. Um, I'm still fairly early on. I haven't even hit the uh, the the supposed kind of doldrum in the middle yet. Uh, mm. I'm still mm. early enough that I haven't run into that. And okay. I, it, it's just wonderful. You know, boy, huge surprise. Uh, Sony Santa Monica made a fantastic follow-up to their best game. Uh, what, who, who could have seen that coming? I, you know... There are criticisms to be leveled. I think people have leveled them. But by and large, this is exactly what you expect from a studio with a record of excellence making a game that it's got down to an art form. It, it Who knew when we mm -hmm. played Double Dragon and Karataka that one day we'd be playing a giant 3D story-driven <laughs> Double Dragon and Karataka? And I am really okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Stab things and have drama and repeat. And I, I'm in. Yeah. Well, speaking of stabbing things, you actually do. There's a new weapon in this game that you get for stabbing, and it's great. I don't want to talk about it too much. I'm saving all of my skill points only for that moment. Yeah. Okay. You don't, you, do you not have that weapon yet, Sam? No, but I've been playing for freaking ever. Are you doing <laughs> like everything? I'm trying to 100% it. No, I'm I'm skipping a lot of the I just I skip the side quests that just don't seem very interesting to me. But I'm still I'm at 28 yeah, hours in and I don't I'm not I'm not in like the final thrust mm -hmm. of the game yet. It doesn't feel like. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing like whenever there's an open area I do everything in. It. Mm -hmm. The game is so big. Yeah. I actually, I I I still am immensely enjoying it. One of my absolute favorite games of the year. I would be okay if it started to wrap up now though. Because I want to play Atari 50. I would like yeah. to come in as part of team no button combo. Uh, I, mm, I do think that uh, I, I'm glad that, that it's there, but I do think Sam's criticism that they're, uh, they're, it would be nice to have other ways to enhance your abilities that, that didn't rely so much on that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't care about button combo. I'm playing on this thing on easy, unapologetically. I am, I am just here to see what happens next. Whenever there's a move that's like, you know, when you're dodging backwards from an enemy, press this. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. No, I'm no, never no. going to do that move. I can't keep track of like all the moves I already have. And like, but they're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't, because, you know, if if all the skill tree was instead like, well, you do 5% more damage or like 10% more fire damage. Like that's also very boring and not very interesting. They did the interesting, better thing, which is give you new skills and new abilities and new ways to express yourself through combat. But then it has this side effect of like. But I'm already like used. I'm 20 hours into this game. Like I can't. Yeah. You can't like layer on another new thing on top of like all the muscle memory I've already built up. So I have some yeah. kind of mixed. And this is and that. this is not really a criticism, uh, uh, but it's just to point out that like they also shake up the type of enemy so much yeah. that it's like you can do all the upgrading you want, but then you fight this giant amoeba thing and have to kill the columns around it, and those start becoming like a really tough enemy. But like no. It doesn't matter what your skill tree is. It's like it's a really specific series of you know attacks you need to do. So I think that's why yeah, that makes it interesting. I mean, I think it's a good thing. It's just like it makes it so like oh, I don't feel like overpowered because I'm really good at my combos. I think this game has a lot more combat variety and encounter design variety than God of War 2018, and it's like it's one of my favorite things about the game. Is like you know you you can't really just be like okay another wave of dudes I'm going to defeat in the same way. Like it kind of forces mm -hmm. you to. Uh, 
be a lot more dynamic in your play style. Yeah, I agree. Wars, like one through three, they used to like always introduce late game. They do that in this game, but I, I can't comment on it yet. But like they would introduce late game weapons, but like you start with the chains and you can power up the chains. So it's like you power up the chains, you power up the chains, power up the chains. You're like, I really like the chains. And then you get like a sword. You're like, I don't really want to play a sword game. Like the chains are what make God of War out of war. And so like, I, I, you know, the stuff like that is, is I'm glad that the axe is really interesting. And, you know, it, it is just a different type of weapon than the chains. And I like them both. And I like punching and would just win my shield. I have like an armor set that I'm probably never going to switch off now that I know a lot of our staff likes, which inflicts poison and then and does a lot more damage when you're not using a weapon. And it's super fun. Like, that's a cool that's a cool upgrade tree to pursue. It's like poison tree. It's great. I appreciate that. I never know what's going to happen. God yeah. of War, it's it's delightfully unpredictable, both in terms of encounter design, as Justin was talking about earlier, the technical design of this game is just extraordinary, and it's constantly surprising me with what I'm expected to do in combat, uh, but also, story-wise, it's lovingly unpredictable, and, and, mm -hmm. I, and it doesn't feel gimmicky, and I really like that, because in a lot, even very good stories can be predictable. I mean, most Westerns are predictable, and I love them, but... But God of War has been very good at keeping me guessing about what might happen. And I yeah. also really appreciate that. I think so, too. I think the narrative design is very sort of mature and interesting and has twists and turns without feeling like it's just, you know, it's just a twist. And, oh, what a twist. But instead, it's just like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next. It's my favorite thing about it. I know we've opened the past several episodes of the show talking about God of War, but maybe it's just such a huge game. Maybe, maybe next week I will have finished it. We'll see. The Sonic fans are like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> if the Sonic fans are waiting for that discussion, they're going to be well, a little disappointed. I, I think I like Frontiers. I, I, I set it up in the office for people to play, and we've been playing through some levels, and I like it. So you know what? I, I watched that donkey video, and that was enough for me. I am A-OK -okay with that. that. That tickled me pink. <laughs> well, Sam, uh, you published your review of Atari 50 yesterday, and you gave that, yeah. you gave that a 9 out of 10. Yeah, a real whopper. And I just started that game last time we talked, but I don't know if that made it even to the episodes. So maybe we didn't even briefly. talk about Atari. Yeah, yeah, briefly, yeah. Um, um, yeah. You, no, no, I was just saying we lost the episode, so I don't think I talked about it, right? Is it? No, no, we no, did, that's we right. We talked that's about it in the makeup made. episode. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, so um, I really liked it. Uh, it is a new, fresh way to experience old games, and I will call out, which I, 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 uh, I really like NES Remix as a way to visit both, revisit both like classic games and like clunkers, right? Like you can revisit, you know, this is a bad example because it's the worst one in the game, but NES Pinball, um, you know, is has like a remix in NES Remix and you don't even need to play that game except for NES Remix. So I think that's really clever. There's been some other uh, collections that, you know, are just like full of like cool stuff, uh, like extras and stuff. This, this does something like this very, very different. It puts timelines together, and then you cruise through these really elaborate, like kind of like branching paths, and in a menu system. And there, there might be a scan of a, you know, like a document from Atari. There might be a photo. There might be a, you know, a, a lengthy documentary about a subject about like doing drugs at Atari or the myth of Andy Capp's tavern uh, filling mm. up with qu quarters. The punk is that a myth? Filling with quarters. Well, so they treat those as, interestingly as like stories, right? So they have several people tell the story. Uh, that one, I think, particularly was it? Is it Al Alcorn that's in that? He just says he was just there and he fixed the machine. So yes, it's true. Is that right, Jared? In Atari Fifty? 
Yeah. Like with that documentary, or I don't remember, honestly. So. I, I can't remember who. Yeah. Somebody is there like weighing in and is like, yeah, I went to the I went to the bar clip. But you know, like other people were like, it sounds like you know, uh, Nolan Bushnell has a kind of a, uh, a you know, like a, 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 b- a big top sensibility, right? He's a, he's a bit of a, a hustler and would, would, uh, would oversell or things in some people's opinions or sell them just right in other people's opinions. And that's the type of story that he would come about, you know, telling. But maybe it was true. The, found, the foundation is a fact. But anyway, they explore that. That's another thing on the timeline. Then there's this games, right? You can play 103 games or you can um, play these new variations of those games. And it's just like, there's just so much to this. And, you know, it adds like really cool historical context to everything and games that I wouldn't have even tried. I tried because somebody in the documentary is like, man, like I worked so hard in this game and here's the part that's like really hard for me to do. Or, oh, this is so cool that we were able to pull this off. Or I just check this game out and play it all the time, even though I wasn't working on it, like stuff like that. And and so it's just, it's just a great way to present these games. Now, before you say, ew, Atari, those games are so simplistic. It's Atari arcade games in it, first of all, and those are all amazing. I mean, they all have a reason to exist, and they're really cool, and they're very playable. 2600 games are are tough a lot of the times. 7800 games, Atari 400, 800 games, pretty cool. And then uh, Jaguar, like, check it out. Cybermorph is ridiculous. It is a ridiculous pre-Mario 64, like, freedom of flight going around polygons game with like a disembodied lady face that comes in and says good job and the upper corner and it's just completely ridiculous like there's such there's such perfect time capsule games after and links games are cool too so yeah i can't i can't rave that enough i gave it a nine which is i think the highest we've probably ever rated a collection um of anything and this is how i want collections to present things unless you know digital eclipse can come up with something more creative because, like, they're just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, I can't wait to play it. Jared, I know you're playing it as well. you have any thoughts on Atari 50? Yeah, I've played more of Atari 50 probably than I have of God of War at this point. Um, I play a lot of compilations. I've, I, I, A co-worker of mine came to me the other day and said, Jared, I think what they've done is compilation might be the wrong word. I think they created a new genre uh, mm-hmm. with the way they present this. And there's some merit in that perspective. Uh, Sam talks about the timeline. It really is. We've always heard about these interactive museums, right? but but the game is presented as an interactive museum. That's not like that's not like buried content. That's not like a a sub menu. The default way to play the game is watching videos, going through slideshows, and interacting with the games as you go. It, it is stunning and stellar. The art direction and production design are superb whoever put that together for it um the emulation of digital clips obviously is is wonderful uh the game selection is very interesting what i like about atari 50 uh among several jillion other things is that it makes the good games better with that presentation and it makes the bad games interesting Mm -hmm. uh there are games i would have never ever spent any time with if i'd have found them on another compilation that i got pulled into because yes there are some terrible Atari games, and they are presented in loving, fascinating ways that make you want to interact with them. Uh, Sam, you're talking about Cybermorph, which is super interesting. I mean, you know, I, I you remember the Dave Halverson on Acid uh, uh, review from, from Die Hard Game Fan? Uh, the, the, leg- uh, the legend is, so Halverson wrote this incredibly, like, glowing 
thing about how Cybermorph is a life-changing video game. Mm -hmm. The story is that another employee put acid in the coffee pot without telling him uh -huh. the same day. And that he was up for 24 hours, having no idea that he was on LSD writing it. That story may or may not be true, uh, much like uh, the handicap story, but I do love it. Mm -hmm. You know, Cybermorph is not a good game, but it is, you're right, mind-blowing, especially when you put it yeah. in context, and the context is all there. Uh, I've been playing the hell out of Crystal Castles, uh, a lot of Lunar nice. Lander. I uh, love I thought Lunar Lander is so great. Did you, did you try Club Driving, the other 3D Jaguar game? It's really cool. Yeah, I, Club Driving is. I'm trying to find love for it in my heart, Sam. I'm. Trying. It's just like it's a it's a working 3D open level driving game. <laughs> it's like it's unbelievable. Like to see that. It is just like how does this exist in in that year in yeah. that cartridge? I, 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 it's not fun, but I like it. Um, that one. No, it's accomplish. The compilation, I, I think your review is, is spot on, though. It, there, there's just a lot to love there. Uh, Vector Sector, the original game. Yeah. yeah. Digital Eclipse is oh, so cool. It's like a mashup of a bunch. It's like an NES remix of Vector Classics. Yeah, I feel like that maybe I rant so much about old games on these things when I'm on that people might not trust me to, to be, <laughs> you know, that's like, oh, I love everything. But this is a standout product. This is not... In terms of the collection of games, these are not all the best games ever, although there's a lot of great ones in there. But this is the best collection of games in terms of how it's organized, presented, and contextualized that I've ever seen. Um, I, it's like nothing you have ever played before. And they did this the same year as TMNT. It's just crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. These guys were just... I, I, yeah, I mean, Mike, you know, he did IDARB. He did, he did, and this is a dude that's been... Did the Game Boy Color port of Yars Revenge in the nineties? Like you know, he's, yeah. he's been doing this a long time, and here he is, yeah, yeah, like twenty some years later doing this. It's, yeah. There's a lot of love on it. They're doing God's work over there at Digital Eclipse. I can't wait to jump into Atari Fifty and that that handicap story. For anyone who isn't familiar with it, the story or myth, I always thought this was true: is that early on in at Atari when they built their first Pong machine, they wanted to test it on site. There was a, a bar nearby called Andy Caps Tavern. And Andy Cap is an old timey cartoon character. I think I think he's a drunk cartoon character, comic. Yeah, character. and the tavern is still there under a different name now. And so they put it on site, and then a day or two later, the owner called them to tell them that the machine was broken and they needed to come and like fix it. But when they come, came to check it out, it was just that like the quarter uh, whatever cavity, whatever you call that, was just completely full and jammed up with quarters because yeah. people had been using box. it so much. Yeah, I got them right behind me. Um, yeah, um, it, that's a real thing. Like that happens, you know, like it's not, it's in, and, and what, one thing to note about that Pong machine is that it wasn't like the Pong machine that you see that's like upright, you stand at it. it. You can see it in the, in the computer history museum. It's like, it's like two feet tall, maybe like a cube that sits on a table. And so the coin mech just like kind of delivered stuff into the kind of probably like the bottom of the game, like a little tray or something. Pong itself has a bread pan for a tray, like an actual baking pan for a tray because yeah. coin, coin trays didn't exist. Like that wasn't really a, a thing yeah. for that type of thing. Like pinball machines would have had them. Um, so the, it, uh, yeah, so like whenever I go through the arcade and like I'm just like the basic thing in the, it, that you do automatically is you open up your games and kind of push the quarters back because they can pile up. To coin max even now, that's just the thing you have to do. So it's totally, totally plausible. I, I, I would say that 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 one is like, you know, some of the other ones they address. Like, did people do drugs at Atari? Like, some, okay. so half of the half the staff is like, I never saw any drugs, and half from like, yeah, we had a dealer on staff in the office. 
<laughs> I before we get off Atari Fifty, also play Caverns of Mars, try Tempest Two Thousand, Good Lord, what a game! If you haven't done that, and I want specifically for Sam and Damon or Sam at least, has Mike showed you Mike from Digital Clips, the the guy that runs the studio? Has he showed you his spinners he made? Yeah, they're so well. You mean the 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 three D printed three uh, D printed yeah. spinners that he binds to the controller? They yeah, work. That's amazing. It, it yeah. makes the it makes the spinner games better. I, I yeah. we've got to figure out a way to. I heard that you're going to so be smart. able to use some spinner controllers on the PC port of this, and I'm kind of waiting for that because mm -hmm. four player warlords at home arcade version. I mean, yeah, <gasps> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I should point out like I pointed this out in my review, but like. I think no Atari arcade games except for Dig Dug have a traditional layout, and Dig Dug was made by Namco and right. published by Atari. They all they had like a mandate to not use standard controls because that was like a cool, weird thing that they did. Uh, so trackballs, spinners, everything. So it's like even though the arcade games are in here, they're not they're not going to be as good as the arcade games walking to an arcade. But like again, like there's stuff to counterbalance that and a reason to play this. Um, yeah. And I also said in my review, I think most of these games are better than on 2600 because that controller sucks. Like I, I, I know it's classic, but I hate holding the joystick from Atari and hitting the button at the same time. And like that creak of the plastic is really familiar, and I, I've played it for years, but like I hate it. And finally, they break Ninja Golf. I mean, this is the best way to do Ninja Golf. golf. Yeah, I didn't. I've always heard about Ninja Golf until I played it. I was like, I was like, I wonder which mix of ninjas and golf of this makes sense. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, I actually think Ninja Golf is a really neat game. It's something. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learn a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com slash gamescoop. 
Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, let's move on to some uh, news items of the week. We've CD Projekt Red has been saying all year, yes, yes, the next-gen version of The Witcher 3 is still coming, still coming. <laughs> no release date. Now they've, they've finally confirmed, just in the nick of time, what is it, December 14th. Under the wire! The next-gen version of Witcher 3 will arrive. It's a free update for everyone who owns the game. Getting ray tracing support, faster loading times, uh, at least on the console versions, as well as a variety of mods integrated into the experience. That's kind of interesting. Mm. So I guess we're going to have 12 days to beat Callisto Protocol before yeah. we jump back into uh, uh, The Witcher 3. Which, I don't know. I, 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 lo- I like The Witcher 3 a lot. I've, I never finished it. I don't know if I... Uh, we'll see where I am in my uh, in my sort of like gaming life if I feel like starting that over again. Sam, I know you're 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 a big fan of Witcher Three. Do you think you'll oh, play man. it again? Now that now that you played through Elden Ring, I think it would be really fun to play through Witcher. I hope it's I hope it just looks incredible and and there's mm-hmm. a there's a good reason to play it. I mean, this is, we're looking at that review from you know five years ago and it looks pretty good. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that the game you can play like you can kind of choose your own pace to play through and like maybe it's better to kind of like get through the beginning but like it is it is a it is a before breath of the wild it's like the quintessential open world that like allows you to like get your bucket and i think that's so crucial to open world games and it's so fun in the witcher and uh one other thing that i just love talking about with the witcher is that the the, i i didn't i hadn't read the books i have read them all i don't recommend them um (laughs) Yeah, uh, but the idea was like, you know, oh, what what is a Witcher? And like, they'll tell you, like, technically, like all this war that's happening and you know, all this stuff. They're like, you know, like what a Witcher is supposed to do is just go like solve people's monster problems. Yeah, they're like, I you know, that. a monster exterminator, and like you can just do that in this game. Like, there's even the main quests have a lot of that in it, but like you can go to a town and like do it, and like most of the time, there's a way to like solve the issue without beating a monster up. Sometimes it's like you talk, talk. I told you, I've told the story on Gamescoop before, I'm sure. But like a lot of times, you can talk to the monster, you know, and you'd be like, hey, cut it out, and the monster would be like, okay. And then, like, it's fine, you know? And so, like, it's just, that's the best part of it. And it's very modern feeling with the combat. The combat is, like, uh, Batman Arkham games. It's that kind of, like, you know, tap, 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 like, you know, like, there's a good, like, rhythm to it. And then there's, like, so many in-depth systems you can just ignore, like oils. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, do you think you'll uh, step back into The Witcher 3? I think it's a really, really great candidate to get an HD, you know, sort of up remake. The integrated mods, I, you know, actually hadn't seen that detail. It reminds me of the Skyrim anniversary edition that came out that sort of Mm -hmm. officialized and canonized a bunch of what used to be third-party mods. So, like, that's a clever idea, too. Like, the game was already very kind of gorgeous in its art direction. And, um, you know, it didn't look as good or interesting as something like Ghosts of Tsushima, but it would give off similar vibes where, like, you know, kind of wind blowing through the trees and the grass. You could kind of lose yourself in this wilderness. And so, um, you know, what a what a great candidate to be re-released in 4K. Um, yeah. Am I going to replay it? I, I didn't love The Witcher 3. Um, mm. I played about 10 hours of it and it, it had my fill. So, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll do the thing where, like, we're looking at the Blood and Wine video right now. Like... I believe that that had a thing where you could start just there. Like it would give you a max level character and just go through the DLC. So, you know, like I didn't hate the game. Like I'm not opposed to maybe, you know, stepping back into it in that capacity, but like 
I, I didn't like it enough to spend another 40 or 50 hours with it and go through it all again. And this is this is not contradicting Justin or an endorsement of the game, but it has a it has a Twilight Princess problem. It has about ten or twelve hours of an opening area. Yeah. That's not the game. Yeah, it's just it, it, it's like it, it's a smaller open region, and then you get to a very large open region, and then there's a second very large open region that feel I mean, more like Skyrim. I made it more than t- I made it to that second very large open re- region and said, no, "I'm I'm good. <laughs> like I don't I don't like I get it." I get what you're doing, game, um, and I am ready to put you down. Was that the same year as Metal Gear Solid Five? 2015, Steve? I think so. And so, and Fallout Four, I think. Ah, okay, yeah. Um, I want to at least experience the vibe of it again. Again, I love when you're just you're out in the wilderness hunting for a monster. You know, Geralt, he's like grumbling to himself, like winds howling, yeah. winds blowing through the trees. I want to just sort of experience that again. But I kind of wish it came out in like October because it, it's kind of fitting for. I remember it having like rock star level great dialogue too. But yeah. who knows? Our yeah. standards change every year, right? The games get better and better. What's going to kill me on this is we got God of War, and then we got Atari Fifty, and then Tactics Ogre has got to get in there somewhere. And I'm just yeah. wondering when I'm going to play it. Like I, I want to play Witcher Three, but I yeah. don't. Jared, do you guide work on Witcher? Not on Witcher Three. No, uh, <laughs> that was I was on something else. I may have been on Metal Gear at that point. Metal Gear, um, yeah, because I did a ton of Metal Gear guide work. I remember John Ryan playing the heck out of Witcher Three, and we were talking about it today. I think um, like the thing I, I'm, I'm not super interested in revisiting it, but I think the most interesting thing about that game is it's one of the only big triple A open world games where uh, you are a character that like has his own motivations and his own, you know, mm-hmm. you're not playing a mute like you are in like Skyrim or a lot of other games where the player is a self insert for, you know, the person that's in the game, whereas like, you know, so like there's like I would never do anything for free in that game. Like if 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 I'm playing Skyrim and a grandma's like, you know, please come help me. I need help. Yeah, like, that, that, that comes up a lot in Witcher. Yeah. But in the Witcher, like I'm role playing as someone else other mm-hmm. than me. And so I felt like that actually gave me a lot mm-hmm. of freedom to like play the game and build my character in a different way than I would if it's like, you know, kind of a stand in for me as a person. Mm hmm. Also, Sam, you asked about Witcher 3 uh, guide work. I didn't do any guide work for Witcher 3, but one of my very first guides was Witcher 2 for the uh, oh. for the old oneup.com. Oh, wow. oh, wow. Yeah, a game I still love and has a very special place in my heart. That's not the one they're remaking. They're starting with one, is that right? Yeah, I they're remaking the first so. one. Yeah. Two is awesome because it does that thing where you have to play the game twice to get anything, like where you're on opposite sides of a war, depending on what choices you make, and it's great. Also this week, we learned that Microsoft, uh, Xbox put its, its streaming-only console on hold because they couldn't manufacture it cheaply enough. It was too expensive to manufacture. This is their project, Keystone. It was going to be a streaming console, a streaming Xbox. Phil Spencer had hoped to sell it for around $100 to $130, even though Microsoft already takes a hit on every console that they sell. I said the streaming console it simply costs too much, so he said we decided to focus the team's efforts on delivering the smart TV streaming app which is out now on Samsung TVs as of June, I think. So 2022 Samsung TVs have an Xbox Cloud streaming app on them. A couple of things that stand out to me as odd in this is that what if a streaming console is not running the game, <clears throat> right? Right. The game is running on a server somewhere. Why even 
a hundred dollars seems like it would be maybe too much for a streaming console. Like, like why isn't it just like a Fire Stick or a Chromecast? Yeah, it's a little bit unclear. Like, what hardware? Like, what's driving up the price if none mm-hmm. of the actual processing is in the unit? And who would want a hundred dollars streaming only device? I mean, you know, and maybe that's what Microsoft figured out, right? Like, the the Xbox Series S is three hundred dollars, but it's also it's sold like you can buy one right now today for two hundred and thirty five dollars, right? And so, like that comparison just probably doesn't stack up nicely to. Um, you know, uh, a streaming box that was going to b- creep up over a hundred bucks. Like maybe it just didn't make sense for them anymore. Yeah. Is that, well, as we serious? all know, streaming is the future. <laughs> I mean, Aww. Soon, Jared. Um, we, uh, I think that, uh, uh, you're telling me, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I think when I think about what goes into a box that you sell in a store, it's like the controller, the HDMI cable, the plastic for the box, the actual box itself, like that's already getting to a hundred bucks. Like the controller is 60, you know? So it's like, you got to really, really cut down, you know, on your expenses uh, on what that hardware is. And, you know, the, the it's a chip and a few other things, a USB port and like a couple of things. It's like, I don't know if like, if your goal is a hundred bucks, like just those things add up. The controller is a good point. You know, I, I think it, like the Microsoft's mission of like they want Game Pass and Xbox being accessible to more people at more price points and make it as broad as possible. Like that mission isn't achieved with a streaming box anymore. Like I think, you know, whatever, like I'm not a corporate executive, but like superficially, like, yeah, put it you make a nap on smart TVs. Like that seems to yeah. make more sense and accomplish that mission easier in a more consumer friendly and cost effective way, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I have a conspiracy yeah, theory about it too. I want to hear I, it. I, well, I think that you could. You, this is a really good way to say, it, like, to back out of making the hardware without saying, like, "Oof, streaming is not working well still." Because mm. they're yeah. not going to back out of the Samsung deal, Samsung deal. They just can't do yeah. that. But they can back out of their own hardware deal. And so, you know, like, I, there's just there's no success stories for streaming games right now. Doesn't mean there's never going to be. But there's still not a bunch of, you know, high-speed internet in the United States, and it's just a problem. Well, Jared, I'd love to hear your personal opinions on, on streaming, the, uh, uh, the difficulties it's faced, the, 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 the potential of it in the future. The, uh, the, I have to be very careful what I say about it. Um, okay. uh, but uh, well, if, it, if, if it also puts you on the spot, we can also move on. It's a spot. No, I mean, there, there's some things I, think I feel very comfortable saying. Talk about um, the Switch streaming. I actually still very much uh, believe in in the potential of streaming to bring more games to more people. Uh, I, I really think there are places where streaming games work wonderfully well, and there's a lot of merit to the idea. Um, I do suspect that Microsoft figured out that they couldn't make this as cost effective as they wanted to. Uh, I speculate that they're, there's no secret behind this that they're just sitting there going, wow. When we Think about this, y'all. Um, a Roku, what it costs. Without a controller, a device designed just to passively stream something in, not to do anything else, not to handle any of the kind of load that, that gets put on something that's dealing with game load. Well, it's also, it also confuses parents, so that's a secondary yeah, exactly. uh, use of it. But I don't know how much a Roku costs. I would guess yeah. like $30. Is that right? uh, the low end one does cost thirty, but a high end one costs as much as a hundred dollars. Wow! Okay. Um, and that's a that's a device just for watching. It comes in rose gold. Weird. 
The Alliant story. Yeah, so you take that, you combine it with supply chain issues that might have slowed things down, uh, technical costs that are going on right now, and the fact that it may have taken more oomph, or maybe not just raw oomph, but there may have been design considerations that went into the hardware that they didn't anticipate outside of just power, Mm -hmm. uh, that they figured out as they went along, and suddenly they're like, you know what, this is not going to be as cost-effective as we'd like. I think that so there you have it. Reason. Jared thinks streaming is the future, and I think cartridges are the future. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I work at a company that makes cartridges now, <laughs> so I figure I, I, I've 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 laid my bed. You know, um, uh, definitely. Uh, for more on that, see limited run games, Karens. Limited run NFTs coming soon. <laughs> limited run NFTs coming soon. No, no, we're not. We're not doing that. Uh, Isn't that, that the whole? That will not happen. Isn't isn't every NFT a limited run? Isn't that the whole idea behind them? Well, we, we sell. That's what they tell you <laughs> we sell fun, We sell fungible tokens. No, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we true. do. Yeah, we are in the, the fungible token business. NFTs are the opposite of what we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. look, I got my new like hoodie on and everything for the books. So. We call those MFTs, meat space fungible tokens. <laughs> meat space fungible tokens, exactly. Yeah. Uh, game streaming has is as at least as old as this podcast. Because uh, I think it was like 2006 when I shortly after I was at IGN, GameTap launched. Yep, GameTap, that's what it was called. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, a short-lived game streaming service. That was so how you had it. to play Sam and Max <laughs> for like a while. Yeah. Well, what was the rental service that was ubiquitous when we game, started? GameFly. Fly. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And they sent discs originally, and then they tried to do like downloads or something. Right? I think Maybe they tried to do streaming. They still I think Still rent discs from GameFly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is the 700th episode of GameScoop. Speaking of multiples of 700, Shigeru Miyamoto turned 70 years old yesterday. Multiples of 700. <laughs> what? It fits. It fits. Uh, it's 70, a multiple of seven. 70 years old. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess for a long time I've just I've been aware that he's been in his 60s. I didn't realize he was, you know, he's 70 years old now. I checked. This is Jared, great footage. I'm so happy we picked yeah. this footage. Yeah, this is wonderful. Jared, maybe you know this. Do you know what the the normal retirement age in Japan is? Typically 60. Uh, although that varies between people. 60 is kind of the accepted like norm. And here he is, 70, still working every day at Nintendo. They keep him in his pipe. Yeah. <laughs> he can't get out. <laughs> he had to stop traveling to work on his bicycle, but he gets to use this pipe now. <laughs> well, that they built the pipe. He just warps. It's a warp pipe that takes him from his house nope, nope, nope. to the office. Well, I mean, I know why they got him off that bike. I, the number no, of I people that were hit on their bicycles by cars in my neighborhood, like in the, the brief span of time I lived there, was was ungodly. And the neighborhood around Nintendo headquarters in Kyoto is just as twisty and turning. I think they were just like one day that the the odds were just going to run out and they were going to lose Miyamoto to a bike accident. They're just like, yeah. you know what, dude? No, you just can't do it. Like, if you ride a bike in Japan long enough, you will be struck by a car. <laughs> Ghoulish predictions from Jared Petty. <laughs> yeah. The nightmare before Christmas himself. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, you know, Miyamoto's a big fan of the show. I think it's, I think it's kind of an open secret, secret that Miyamoto is big Tony style. So yeah. <laughs> happy birthday. Miyamoto's <laughs> 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 Happy birthday, Miyamoto-san! And I thought it'd be fun to uh, as a little fun experiment to talk about what is what is his best work on every Nintendo console. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so starting with the NES, you know, I mean, that's kind of where everything began. Arcades, uh, Damon. You got to start with arcades. Well, so what's his best work in arcades? Well, Donkey it's Kong? difficult. I mean, well, you got Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. You got, uh, I don't know, Demon Firebird or Space Firebird or whatever. Hellfire. He probably made, he made a bunch. But that's a tough one. Popeye? Come on. That's a toss-up already. Popeye, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and Mario Brothers. Those my all offer would, very different things. My personal vote would be for Donkey Kong Jr. Well, see, that's insane. Nobody would ever pick that. That's why this is an important conversation. That's the bottom. That's the last ranked one out of all of them. <laughs> Donkey Kong Jr.? Yes. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? That's so crazy. You're Mario like, has worse, co-op. It's super worse, fun. Donkey Kong Jr., you're so big in it. And I like Popeye, too. Oh, Popeye rules. I don't like not only is it weird to pick Donkey Kong Jr., but then just the (laughs) incredulity that like, yeah, no recognition that like, oh, this is a dark horse choice. But like, we are the crazy ones. I would I would. So I Popeye's beautiful, but I'd rather play Donkey Kong Jr. than Popeye. Oh, my God. I actually actually really like Donkey Kong Jr. I really, really like I'm calling the cops. Great. Uh, the, the 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 slow up, ass down, two arms out, one arm mm-hmm. in, up down, verticality. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so good. Like yeah, it's a game you have to think really hard about. It is nowhere near Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong's a much better video, mm-hmm. no, no question. Um, I think that's Donkey you know, Kong Three. I Donkey I like Donkey Kong Three too. But but I but as yeah. much as Donkey Kong is a world changer, I'd rather play Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers like, is really fun. With two people, especially. Like, I really love yeah. Mario Brothers. But Donkey Kong's just... The problem with Miyamoto is all the choices I think are going to be boring. Because it's like, oh, he only changed the world like seven times. <laughs> and those are the ones you have to pick. And Donkey Kong changed the world. All right. Well, let's see where we come down at Wii Music. Where are we, go- where are we going from here, Ness? <laughs> NES. It, at the, in, NES, I would, uh, is it between Zelda, the original Legend of Zelda, and Super Mario Brothers 3? So. That's pretty fair. What? Um, yeah. What about Devil World? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I want to play Devil World. I've never played it. Um, you only had at least a little bit of input. Yeah, in I mean, I think there's always been the Mario One argument, and then I think Jared is the biggest Zelda Two proponent on the planet. So let's hear about that. I love Zelda Two, but Zelda One's a better game. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, Zelda we'll Zelda Two is is a lot of fun, and I I think it's really neat, and I love it. But Zelda One's a better game. But I, I'd go with Mario Three again. Um, it, it's just so head and shoulders above almost anything else that we're seeing it right generation. now. <laughs> um, also, uh, do, 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 I mean, do, 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 do. in terms of history, Mario One's more important. <laughs> yes, Mario One's more important. Yes, Mario Three in a lot of ways feels like like the first modern console game. Like, here's our world map. Here's our game that really should have a battery in it. Here's our inventory system. Here's a, you know, it's it's just so many things that come together Mario 3 in is such incredible. a brilliant way. It's unbelievable yeah. that that game exists on the NES. Yeah. Yeah, they basically had to put another NES inside the cartridge. It's Mario, Mario 3 is my number one all time video game on a list of like greatness plus, like, uh, greatness plus fun. Like, if I'm putting those two things together, it's, mm. it's overall. Period and in, in all the video games, I think. All right. Is Miyamoto's best work on the Super Nintendo his first work? The Star Race game? FX? No, the pack in game. <laughs> Super Mario World. Super Scope 6. Uh, um, I got a soft spot for Star Fox, but it's not as important. Mm. 
I mean, I think I think people will will fight you for a link to the past because that that's going to be the, the the first you know Zelda that people really care about in the modern age. Even though I love Zelda one and everything, um, and two, um, yeah, I don't know. I think Mario World is, is wonderful, and I think like straight through the '90s, Mario was was Miyamoto's best work. Game Boy, come back much, to me. Come back how, to me for Game Boy. How much Miyamoto do we get to talk about with like Yoshi's Island? I mean, we're just talking. Do you think Yoshi's Island is, is his best work on the console? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah it is. Really it is. Good. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's just such an incredible video game. Uh, I I don't know, man. Again, I, I, it's just boring. But I'm going to say Mario World. Yeah, it's just. I don't think it's boring. I would like, I would say I would personally say Link to the Past. Like that that's the one that yeah. I'm the most interested in revisiting. You know, every every three or five years. It's yeah. kind of like the realized version of Zelda too. And, and Mario already had some hits before then. Yeah, like like Mario three, like you know Mario three and Super Mario World are like two sides of the same coin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you're right. Link to the Past is is defining. Like it's it's one of those things that's just like wow, everything came together perfectly. I can't think of a thing about this game I would change. Yeah. And so nobody's like, nobody's going for F zero. That's fair. F Zero is fun, and Star Fox I think is underrated. I actually, think Star Fox is one of the best like arcade games made for home consoles ever. I adore uh, it. I think, and everybody knows, I think Star Fox One is the the, the the good Star Fox. I think it's so good and so fun. And I don't think they ever got as good at that again. Did you guys see that Star Fox mod? That fan made mod. Oh, did you see this? Oh, oh man, you got to watch the trailer. Like, it's like a total conversion mod of the original Star Fox that adds like an entire new campaign, like 20 new levels, oh, man. Re- real-time multiplayer, new bosses, new modes, new... Oh, enemies. I did see that, because I saw the, the level select and everything, and there was all kinds yeah. of cool, like, there's the planets. There's a new, yeah. like, solar system planet, like, yeah. a whole new thing. That was a few months ago, right? It looked really good. I, I saw it just the other day, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, on Nintendo 64, is it Mario 64 or Ocarina of Time? <laughs> I'd rather play Ocarina of Time, but Mario 64 is far more important. And I think it's. If I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, was, I, I, I don't know. You, you finish. It's, I well, just transport me back to that again. That, talk about a console mover. Like, yeah, just like, well. oh, when you first saw it, I mean, it doesn't look like much now, but again, it defined like every video game since this game looks like this game. Every damn one. And, oh, yeah. And it's not even just the look. Yeah, like it it's like, like the, a, the way it like it acts like it. Yeah, that's sort of like um, giving you multiple missions or objectives to complete in each world. Like every like like Tony Hawk took that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this game like Everything. Mario sixty four came out like a couple of years after like Yoshi's Island. Like Nintendo yeah. had to like invent how to you know make and present and play three D games, and then not for nothing, but it took like ten years for anyone else to do anything close to as good. Yeah. And, you know, and many people never did. And Nintendo got it right the first time, right out of the gate. I think yeah. nailed it there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, then they wouldn't even they wouldn't even make another 3D Mario game until Sunshine. What? And, it, and, and Sunshine. <laughs> Six I mean, years later. Know, and Sunshine's great, but like, it's not as yeah. good as Mario 64. <laughs> like, it took like it took until like Galaxy where people are like, OK, maybe this is the best 3D Mario now. Yeah. Yeah. And then Odyssey. Yeah. Well, then speaking of Sunshine, on the GameCube, Sunshine's probably not Miyamoto's best work on the console. Sam, I think he took yeah. over Metroid Prime 
He uh, did. He's the producer of Metroid Prime, so I, I think it's an easy, easy win. And then his most like Miyamoto game is Pikmin, right? So yeah. it's like for me, yeah. and uh, I think I think it's like Prime, yeah. And I think it's really cool that he worked with a team of American developers, and you know his influence. They'll tell you about and like, yeah, it was retro plus Miyamoto so and, and Sakamoto. I'm gonna just just to be contrary, uh, okay. you know. First off, I, it's hard. He did have work on Twilight Princess, which is I, I think yeah. vastly underrated. Um, but I'm not. Gonna, I think that if we're talking about a game that really like is weird and that I just love going back to, it's the very hard to play uh, uh, Pac-Man Versus is one of my favorite Miyamoto yeah. games, and it's on mm. GameCube. It is hard to play in the sense that you need to have the right hardware for it, but it's really fun and very accessible. Yeah. When you play. It's an incredibly fun video game, and uh, it is not his greatest work, but I think it's extremely noteworthy, probably more than we give note to, because you needed a colossally complex rig of things to, to play it. But if you could play yep. it, it's actually kind of mind-blowing how good it is. Yeah, we got four GBAs and four link cables together with a GameCube exactly once in my life. And it was it was so fun. Like we had so much fun that night playing that and uh, Four Swords Adventures um, and Pac-Man Versus. I, I have a soft spot for that game because I played that at my very first E3. Baby Justin oh, nice. went to E3 in 2003. And those were the dark times for Nintendo. And that was like their big headlining game was Pac-Man Versus. So next year will be your 20th e3 justin yeah although i missed one when my daughter was born and then obviously there was no e3 for a little bit but yeah the 20 20th anniversary of uh of my yeah. first e3 yeah there was a ds port of pac-man versus that would let you beam it to other ds's but again nobody's got a ds anymore and i think there's only one more console where miyamoto really had like like he was like the director of games Today, he's just like sort of a general producer on like everything that Nintendo puts yeah. out. So yeah. on the Wii, I mean, is it Wii Sports? Is Which it Mario Galaxy? Be? Are they both his? Yeah. Galaxy is hard to argue with depending on the level. You know, the, we don't, he's, it, it, he's more and more an executive at EAD by the Wii era, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like, I, I, Wii Sports Wii was, Sports is one of the most important video games ever. Huge worldwide. Yeah, and I think they like. made the Wii because he wanted to do Wii Sports, and he, I mean, he was a UI designer, right? Or like a, I guess you wouldn't call it UI back then. What do you call a product designer, basically? But we're like physical products in the toy era, yeah, and yeah. so like I think he's really always been heavily involved in Nintendo's feel and look and controllers, and so yeah, like the all-in-one situation with Wii, and, and, and I mean I've never been a Mario Galaxy fan, so I could talk about Wii Sports in this case. I think it's I think it's remarkable. He also was involved with Wii Fit somehow too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wii, Wii Sports kind of cast a spell on you. Like, my gut reaction was, like, it has to be Wii Sports. What a cultural phenomenon. And even hardcore gamers, like, even me, like, I spent a lot of hours doing Wii Bowling and the rest of those games. But, like, it was a little bit of, like, it was a little bit of, like, smoke and mirrors. Like, after mm -hmm. a few months of that, you eventually figured out all you needed to do was go bleh and, like, move your wrist. <laughs> and then, and then, like, Wii Sports would kind of play itself. Um... So, you know, but like what a magical time it was before people figured that out, before they sort of were able to uh, see past the spell it was casting. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, tape this thing on your controller. It'll, it'll be even better. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah like, very the motion plus add on for the Wii controller is it made the Wii controller what they claimed it was when the, when the Wii came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but the fact that it could cast a spell, very few video games cast a spell, period, so I'll take it. I think Wii Sports is is a phenomenal 
um, yeah. video game. Is but this I, Michael Jackson, by the way? Yeah, yeah. it looks like I don't know where this footage is from. Great. Um, I do think uh, Galaxy is so, so darn important and, and um, serves a lot of love. Why do you think Galaxy is important? Because <clears throat> until I played Galaxy, or pardon me, until I played Odyssey, Galaxy was my favorite uh, 3D Mario. Um, I, mean, I felt like Mario 3, it felt like taking Mario 3D World, or pardon me, like taking Mario 64 and Mario 3-ifying it taking little bits of ideas in the mm-hmm. individual stages in mm-hmm. disciplined, energetic ways. Justin, you were about to speak. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just going to back you up on that. Like, I feel like Galaxy and Galaxy 2 are platformers again, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. these two strains of Mario games now. Like, you know, they were platformers, obviously, in the 80s and 90s. But then Mario 64 and Mario uh, Odyssey and Mario Sunshine are different. Like, they're not really platformers. They're puzzle games and exploration games and, like, you know, and and then Mario Galaxy and Galaxy Two are the last mainline Mario games that you know that that felt like this is what a modern 3D actual platforming game is. It's going to focus on platforming, um, and we haven't we haven't like that was kind of it. Like we haven't really gotten that since, um, or at least not from Nintendo. Like I'm sure there's people in the indie space doing cool stuff. Why I like Odyssey so much is that it brings back the elements of like, hey, here's a big area, like a level in Mario 64 or Peach's Castle, where it's like, you can like discover stuff here and like be surprised and everything. Whereas the Galaxy games are 120 and then 240 goalposts. And that's the same thing with New Super Mario Bros. It's like getting to the end of the levels is really amazing and fun. And there's a lot of delight to be had, but like, it's not the same type of Mario game as Mario 64 for me. It's like a it's a 3D platforming version of New Super Mario Brothers. And I want a 3D version of Mario World or 3. Yeah, Odyssey, you, you bring up Odyssey. That that's my favorite 3D Mario now by a long shot. I, I do I agree with Justin that it's it's more an exploration game. However, there are you think things like Darker Side. I don't know if I've ever played a more pure platforming challenge than that gauntlet. Like there are moments mm-hmm. where where they nail it. And I, I think that game is it somehow manages to be everything everywhere all at once, uh, which is almost impossible in video games, and, and Odyssey pulls that off. It's a all-time great. It's but also not a Miyamoto game, really. No. The next, names the on ne- it, but. next generation's coming up strong at Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like I said, Port of Odyssey. After the Wii, it's hard to find you know individual games that are directed by solely by Miyamoto. He's just sort of like a general executive yeah. producer on everything that Nintendo releases now. It's kind of easy to forget, like when Mar- when Odyssey just came out. So it's like you know Breath of the Wild took over the world and took over the IGN office, and then that later that year Odyssey came out, and yeah. like I, I don't think we had the game that early, but like we had it a little bit early, like it wasn't released yet, and nobody knew. Like how many kingdoms there were, how many moons there were. Like you'd hear yeah. people be like, "I have 500 power moons," and someone's like, "What the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> like how many do you have?" And like, n- like it just felt like it was going to go on forever and was this endless, impossible thing. And then you know, to you know, spoilers. But then you beat the game, and then you get to go back to each world and find even more challenging optional moons. And there's hundreds of them. Like that plus, was- the last level was a total shock. Oh, yeah, uh, in that yeah. game, and people were like totally surprised by it, and it was just so wonderful to discover that. Yeah, oh, yeah. What a game! Time for Odyssey two. I, there should just be another one. I just like I, I, I just can't believe this stuff with Nintendo. I, I just don't know. Just make them all the time. 
I, I do. I would like to see, like, I like Nintendo when they're, uh, you know, experimenting and giving us different takes on their franchises. But before we before we do something different and new with Mario, please give us Odyssey too. <laughs> Agreed. Well, once again, happy birthday, Mimoto-san. Okay, and Justin, should we excuse you now? Oh, uh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, I gotta it's go. Okay. It's okay. I, have, uh, I appreciate it. Um, Jared, it's right. wonderful to see you as always. Justin, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. I had so much fun seeing you tonight as well. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. Okay. Other things that are 700. I did some research. Here are some vintage video games that are worth $700. Uh-oh. Speaking oh. of... Speaking of Popeye, if you have a new in-box copy of Popeye for <laughs> NES, $700. Nice. Those black box games, black box games can be really expensive. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they're just all over the place. Kids just trash those boxes. I had Popeye uh, as a kid for the NES. That's cool. I wonder, was it like a bargain bin game for, do you think? Or do you think you were like, I need to have Popeye? No, I mean, I would have gotten it very early on. Uh, and I, I, rem- I knew it from the arcade version. Oh, that's it. cool. Yeah, yeah. Like Kung Fu, right? Exactly, Kung Fu and Super Mario Brothers, actually, for me. Yeah, the, the arcade version of Popeye with those beautiful, beautiful high-resolution graphics in the front and then those weird, yeah. like, like low-resolution graphics in the background. What yeah. It's like an like NES Popeye. layered on a, an Atari. It's so yeah, cool. It's, it's incredible. I agree. It's just a beautiful, beautiful game. Is Popeye a lost cartoon character now? Like, does, do, do millennials know who Popeye is? Uh, there you go. I mean, he's that, that spinach guy. I don't think anybody. Yeah, I think Popeye's probably pretty much. They dead. certainly knew what Tom and Jerry was. There was like a new Tom and Jerry movie, yeah. and our and our young audience went crazy for those trailers on social media. Yeah, they, yeah, they still like Tom and Jerry. They like Scooby Doo, but not Popeye. I don't yeah. think. Okay, uh, the top loading NES. If you have a mint condition, like inbox version of that, that's seven hundred dollars. Okay, in the box. Yeah, those are always desirable, but. I've never, never owned the box for one of those. You know, you know what's not seven hundred dollars? An FPGA capable machine that can that costs less than that and will let you play all those games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't make these prices. The hardware is unlicensed now. You can do whatever you want with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a box copy of Super Mario All Stars, the Player's Choice version, is seven hundred dollars. <laughs> with the Player's cool. Choice, with the one that came afterwards, when it was like. I mean, like a like a bestseller version, yeah. like the yeah, they have platinum. a little gold badge on them. I have the uh, like the link to link to the past version of that. Seven hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow. On the Nintendo sixty four, a box copy of Mario Party two ah. will be seven hundred dollars. Why would you leave that in the box when you could play Mario Party two with your friends? Why would you leave any of these video games in a box? I don't Indeed. know. On the GBA, a box copy of Golden Sun. Ooh, or ah. will set you back $700. And then uh, you, the, uh, a game you mentioned, I think as we were getting set up to record today, Jared, Klonoa Door to Phantom Isle on PlayStation 1, $700. $700 for Klonoa. Really? I didn't mm-hmm. realize it was worth that much. Is that sealed yeah. or is that just, just in Yeah, box? for new, new inbox copy. Inbox. This is all, these are all new inbox prices. <laughs> then, um, Sam, the Sega Genesis version of Action 52... The one that comes in a cardboard box, seven hundred dollars. Yeah, those are cool. And so, and Action Fifty Two or or bootleg uh, games where they'd come with like fifty two games on cartridge. Yep, starring the Cheetahmen. Yeah, yeah, very low quality on that, right? 
It's a secret Very part of me that wishes, wishes the Cheetah Men were, were DLC for uh, Shredder's Revenge. <laughs> and then I found a couple uh, retro vintage games that are actually worth $7,000. If you have a okay. new inbox copy of Bonk's Adventure for NES, you got something worth $7,000. And these are sealed still. Yep. Sealed. How much is that and- Bitcoin? That's a really rare NES game. It's, it's super hard to find it, at least, too. It's really cool. Yeah. Should be and a then, uh, exclusive, right? Well, I mean, yeah, except it's not. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think people even thought it wasn't exclusive for years and years. Until they actually yeah. released thing for NES. Yep. Nice. I love Bonk's Adventure, by the way. The music is fantastic. At least the Turbo Graphics version. That's the only version mm-hmm. I've ever Look at Derby Dinosaur. Yeah, look at that. The adventure, the music is great. I think Revenge is a more playable game, but the music and adventure is wonderful. Yep. And well, then finally, uh, on the Nintendo 64, if you have a new inbox copy of Super Smash Brothers, that is seven thousand dollars. Oh man! And I wish I'd have made better choices at Walmart as a child. <laughs> I know those games oh. are expensive to invest in, though. They're like seventy-five bucks new. Oh man! I tell you yeah. what, that's a. Well, sitting on sealed games is right now a, a very good idea. That I don't know if it'll be that way forever. Yeah. What a gamble, though. I mean, I'm going to buy this game. I'm going to keep it in this box. And then 30 or 40 years from now, we'll see if I have $7,000. Do you guys have any sealed games from that era? I have a few. I, I don't. I, everything I ever had that was worth anything, I sold when it was worth nothing. Hmm. I have a sealed life force. Oh, there my gosh. Go. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, we, do you know how much it's worth? No. I have a sealed Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl? I found it in a thrift store. It was sealed. Side, side sealed and everything. But yeah, like I have a couple like GBA games and Pokemon, stuff like that. It's really uh, okay. It's sealed, Sam? Yeah, it's sealed. Would you believe $900? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Sounds fun. I have a sealed Play Choice game. I have Pinbox sealed in the box with a little sign and everything. Wow. Man, I don't have any sealed games. I just have regrets. Open mm. regrets. Sealed regrets. Just go to the limited run warehouse. There's plenty of sealed games there for you. There are a lot of sealed games in that warehouse. <laughs> that is a big old. That is a big old warehouse. Let me tell you what. Sealed uh, games galore. Sealed games galore. All right, and that brings us to video game twenty questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Joe S. Our, uh, our contestants are on a bit of a losing streak. We'll see if we can turn things around. Jared is certainly has a, has, a, Jared has a wealth of video game knowledge and I think he can be a big help. And with that... With this. He actually question. promised he'd win before this episode. Sir. No, he didn't. Jared's really bad <laughs> at 20 questions. And we only have two brains instead of three. Let the questioning begin. All right, Sam, I'm going to follow your lead here. because Is this from before 1990? Yes. We got this. I bet it's in the Atari collection. Uh, all right, all right. Do we want to, what do, what do we want to do here? It's before 90. Well, let me take do... one more. Could yeah. this have been in the Atari 50 collection? No. Okay. All right, all right there we go. So it's not something from there. Um, what do we want to do system and arcade? Do we want to do your system versus arcade? I'm do thinking it's do... snake, rattle, and roll. What do you think? I mean, <laughs> it sounds right it. to me. They're rare classic. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what that's worth sealed. Uh, <laughs> Twenty bucks. Yeah. yeah, you can get a crate of them for two hundred bucks. I love that game. That's a fun game. Looks like Carlo Rossi. 
No, I do like it. It's just nobody cares. Good, yeah. good, right. good isometric game. We're just spinning our wheels here. All right, so was this an arcade game? Yes. There we go. Okay. All right. So we know it was an arcade game. Uh, is this game a standard joystick-controlled game? Mm, I mean... All right, let me rephrase that. Does this game fault to use non- a four or eight way joystick non-joystick controls like that's oh, okay. the like the, we were talking does it have non-joystick it. controls okay no besides okay all right so it's a joystick game that's a, so it's probably but maybe it's like a two-way joystick game or something like that or 64 way as it were for sinistar i believe that would be 49 my friend 49 is that 49 that's right thank 49. you thank you is that the same for uh food fight i don't um, have an answer on food fight is this game from before the year 1984? No, that's five. Oh, so post crash game. 85 to 90 arcade game. Do you want to try genre or? Oh, is this game from Japan? Yes. Did this game get an NES port? Yes. Mm, okay. Okay, we just wrote so it down. Japanese 80s game that got a port. So that would be like your. Top down, top down shooters like Gunsmoke or Kari Warriors, or or you could be side scrollers like Bionic Commando or Contra, mm-hmm. or Ninja Gaiden. Like that. Yeah, um, it could also be a Namco. Rygar, Re- R- what's it called? Uh, what's the Karnov? Karnov, Dragon Buster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dra- uh, Dra- what's the Dra- life? What's the <laughs> stupid one? Um, Dragon something? Dragon Force? That was Dragon, Dragon Powers. Force. I said Dragon Buster, but I was wrong. I meant Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Dragon... You meant the one where oh, Dragon, Dragon Buster. Is... No, it is Dragon Buster. Uh, I think it's okay. eighty-five. All right, so All right. we're naming games. We should probably. So it's uh... not Amagon. All right. Do you play as? Don't ask Damon if we said it already. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. yeah d- d- is this, d- are you play as a human in this game? Yes. Okay. There we go. I want to ask about guns. Yeah. I think. Do you use a gun in this game? No. Hey, it's a lot. Do, do you do a lot of punching and kicking in this game? No, that's ten. Okay, cool. It could be Karnov. <laughs> uh, it really could be Karnov. Could be. I don't know. Um, I think it's a ninja game. It'd be a ninja game, um, but you don't do punching and kicking. Um, no, you use your sword or your or your ninja stars. And Shinobi, but you kick in Shinobi. Are you but a ninja Shinobi's- in this game? No. Darn it! Word about that one. No, uh, we got we got we got to call. How do you kill path. things in this game? I, I I can't predict how you kill things. Maybe it's just uh, Super Mario Brothers. Let me. Uh, do you? Let's forget uh, guns. Do you shoot in this game? Not guns, but do you shoot fire projectiles in this game? No. Wow, you just cruise in this game. Okay, so it's a and but this we got to the key thing is it's an NES game. Mm-hmm. No punching, no kicking. Yeah, so uh, Mario shoots flowers. I was thinking stomper games or stompers, right? It can't be Ninja Gaiden because he uses projectiles. So it's not that. And and you have projectiles in Castlevania. Yeah, yeah, projectiles in Castlevania. Um, Does this game have sequels? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Cool. Okay. <laughs> That's a weird one. Japanese NES arcade game without shooting. And you're a human, so it's not like Metal Storm or something like that. Human. 
Doug is is not a human. Well, that's eighty four. That's pre eighty four, so it's not that. Um, kind of. Na- what would be by Namco at that point? Um, what year is? Uh, it's not yeah, it's not gonna be Sega. I. It's not a shmup because she plays a human, and you're not shooting. It's well, not. It could be Capcom or Konami or something like that too. Yeah, we could try by dev. I mean, we could try to knock the those guys out, but I feel like we're thinking of almost all the games those those folks make already. We're missing something. It's the. It's just interesting that it's an arcade port, but it could be like um, Taito. It could be like Elevator Action, maybe. Yeah, 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 but you shoot, you shoot an Elevator Action. I think we're thinking. Oh, it could be a sports game, Sam. Sport. Could be track and field. Yeah, we always get tripped up on those double dribble. Yeah, it could be a sports game. Arch Rivals. Um, that's that's an Atari game, right? Um, You want to ask if it's Konami because that would fall under that. Well, we could, we could ask, first of all, if, if, if this is a peaceful game. This is a peaceful game? No. Wow. How do you kill in this game? I mean, I guess all we right. haven't eliminated swords, so it could just be a sword game. Because we eliminated yeah. shooting, punching, and kicking. I worry that we're focusing so much on how we kill things that we're going to run out of questions. But that's what makes uh, it fun. <laughs> no, this is chaotic. <laughs> Um, all right, it's Japanese made. Uh, anything by Nintendo? You can ask the Konami thing? question, you can ask it if you want. Anything I don't, I can't. After 84? What anything by Nintendo after 84? Arcade wise, punch yeah. out. Uh, anything well, that punches okay. Anything by Sega that made it to Nintendo, right. <laughs> Uh, well, but shoot. Sega, I mean, there's so few Sega games that are on Nintendo. Like, there was, like, Syndic- Alien Syndrome. Syn- Alien Syndrome, that's what it's called. Yeah, Fantasy Alien Zone. Syndrome, Fantasy Zone. Um, I just feel like this is a gimme, and, and I'm blowing it here. Maybe. Maybe it's 3D World Runner. Is that an arcade game? <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was a home I original. So. I don't think there's an arcade version. Yeah. Maybe this is a game where you play as a human, you have some sort of magical force. Should we ask if it's a side-scroller? No, you can ask that. Is it a side-scroller? Yes, that's 15. Okay. But we should be able to figure this shit out. <laughs> Maybe uh, you're a human, but you're actually in, in a car or something. We haven't eliminated the vehicle thing. No, we haven't eliminated the vehicle. But it's peaceful, and so few driving games are fine. No, no, it's not peaceful. It's not peaceful. Okay. Yeah. So but it's also sides. But what's a side scrolling? But, but you shoot. You shoot in Blaster Master. Mm, of course. You shoot yeah. and rescue to Fractalus. What else is Sunsoft? Batman uses projectiles, punches, and kicks. So many Japanese companies, it makes it difficult. I'm just trying to think of this mode of attack. I know I'm just lucky. Somebody's probably screaming at them. You can do one of those questions where, like, is this a Capcom, Konami, or one other big company game? Rygar. Yeah, Rygar is a good one. Rygar doesn't do any of those things and is an arcade in Because you have shields. In yeah. Japan. Is Rygar, is that Capcom? No, it is uh, um, no, it's, uh, Tecmo. Tecmo, thank you. Do you think it's worth wasting the question on this one gate game? Is Rygar a barbarian, would you say? I He's like barbarian-ish. We could just ask yeah. him. Do you, do you, do you play as a barbarian-like character in this game? I think you could say yes. 
Cool. It'd be Rygar. <laughs> it's either that or Karnov. <laughs> no, Karnov shoots. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, Karnov shoots. I thought you just blew fire or something. Well, that's projectiles. Like, I asked if any kind of projectile. Oh, boy. So, All right. Do you yeah. kill things with a shield in this game? No. Okay, so it's not... Uh, crap. So it's got to be like, if you're a barbarian, it could be a sword of some kind. He uses Wizards and Warriors is, is rare. Yeah, it could be like um, uh, Fax Energy, like sword. It sounds like it's a sword game. Wizards and Warriors is good. Oh, none but of these are arcade, arcade games. Game. They're not arcade no. games. Yeah, I'm getting less. I feel like we're in our wheelhouse here. And we're well, the thing is, there's like those like games like Black Tiger and, and stuff like that, but none of those came to NES, right? All kind of uh, Black Tiger never made it. It was ported, but it wasn't released. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Black Tiger has projectiles. Um, Tiger, there's one. And we have two questions, and I guess. Yeah. Do you kill? Should we ask if we just kill things with a sword in this? Why don't we ask if we've named it? Have we named this game yet? No. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what's the What's the Capcom game where you're using a sword and a shield, Sam, and you're fighting the? <clears throat> oh, it has its own little fighting mode in it. Crap, I'm um, gonna I hate myself so much right now. Uh, violent side scrolling Japanese game. It was on the NES. What is wrong with us? A violent okay. Okay. And what do you Jack what do you ki- how do you kill in it, Jared? We don't know, but we know you don't kill with a shield. Oh no, I thought you said I thought you had a game on the tip of your tongue or something. Oh I it was this game, yeah. I have Trojan. Uh I think that Oh was Trojan. Better. That, I think that had that had an arcade version. Yeah, right. That's where I was going, and it has a sword, but we don't know if mm-hmm. it's a sword. Yeah, and you're barbaric in it. Right, you're barbaric. So it could. Be That's Trojan. a really good call. It could be Trojan. Uh, could be Trojan. That's. Um, uh, we could ask if it's licensed because there are like maybe like weird like Conan games or something. Yeah, but I think those are all made in Europe. Like, there is a Conan game, but I don't think it's Japanese. If there is, I'm wrong. Okay. It's one of those like go? Euro PC games. I do think license is interesting. Well, like I do think Battle of Athena. Was that an arcade game? Athena was I don't think Athena was an arcade game. Trojan Trojan's pretty good. That's Capcom. Is that right? Well, that's Capcom, I believe. Yeah. Should we just ask if it's a Capcom game? Yeah. Is it a Capcom game, Damon? Yes, it is. And that's it. Okay. You're you're down to your guess. I hope it's Trojan. You want to try it, Sam? I, I I can't think of a. I'm trying to think of you know Capcom has those gray and blue boxes, right? Yeah. And if you can picture them all, you can picture they're they're swapped with Mega Man and they have Commando and right. you know. But then there's the weirder games like Bionic Commando. But I can't think of anything that's better than Trojan that would meet. There's Street Fighter 2049, but that's not an arcade game. Punchy Kicky. Uh, yeah, it's Punchy Kicky. Um, there's. Plus, Trojan doesn't have any sequels, and like all of these have sequels. We should have th- eliminated Rygar for that reason. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Right? But Trojan is yeah. Let's try Trojan. You want to try Trojan? Yeah, I think it you fits got everything. It. All right, is it Trojan? Yes, it is. Yeah! <laughs> Killer, Jared. That was really good. Oh, we got nicely job, Trojan. Weird, weird game. I I've never played this game. Um, I, I'm curious about the arcade version now. No, yeah. I mean, I think they play similarly, just looks better. This was a rental for me, 
And yeah. what's weird about it is you have to press up to jump because one yep. of the buttons is oh, for your weird. shield to block. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's all the sword and shield fighting. Yeah. Look at him hopping this bush over and over again. Oh, it's a man. <laughs> it's like a snail man or something. This looks fun. Like a fun boss encounter. Whack. Jump. Whack. the ground. Nice fight. Bonus okay, I, I am impressed you with that because I think Trojan's a fairly deep cut. Uh, so I, for I, sure. I well, yeah, but, and so you're right. And so it's not a game I would normally pick, but I think just having you two on it, I think <laughs> I thought you guys. Could... Yeah, not there. I can't believe it. All right. Was there an anecdote about why this person chose Trojan? Chose Trojan. no, they didn't. They, no, there was no anecdote. They just picked it. Uh, no so story. Trojan in this game is a sword and shield battling barbarian. However, he's already fighting helicopter people and scuba people. Yeah. So I'm really there's curious about the backstory. There's a lot. Just like Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah. Oh, just like Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah. yeah it's Let's try the next stage. Oh, oh look. Trojan's definitely in modern. Or modern oh, yeah. It's yeah. Like he, most he apocalyptic. Like street. Yeah. The first like level, you're on like an ordinary city street, if I remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's a, a, he's a modern Trojan. Yeah. But I'm he, sure it's inspired kind of a, by like all those Mad Max ripoffs from the 80s. Where mm-hmm. you yeah. got like punks in a in a with mohawks in a post apocalyptic setting, it seems inspired yeah. by all that. Kind of smart yeah. use of shield. I like how he's blocking with the shield upwards. Yeah. Remember, kids, use your trojans. It's important. Look at barbarian swimming, swinging his back yeah. so slow. And that <laughs> guy took fighting. him down. He did. Yeah, he did not. Really compared yeah, to that cactus he was fighting earlier. I think we're watching a speed run here. Yeah, I think, oh, wow, look, that guy's just going down. <laughs> I love the idea that there's someone in the world familiar enough with Trojan to play it this well. Who's wax <laughs> to the chest. Man. All right. Go well, that. nicely job. Well, uh, I suppose so. Yeah, good save there from... Uh, so provided we publish this episode, the streak is over. The curse is broken. What a horrible night for a curse. The morning sun has vanquished the horrible night. There what we horrible, go. What a horrible month for a curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, fingers crossed. But sure. That's, yeah. No technical difficulties. Uh, the episode goes up and we can put that curse to rest. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode. Games it meant the world coming here. Thank you, Damon. A lot of fun. Yeah. Always a pleasure having you on. All right, Scoop Nation, we will have an episode next week, but it won't be episode 701. It's going to be our annual Thanksgiving feast of 100 questions. And uh, fingers crossed, we will have a special guest for that one. So please be excited. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Jared. Thank you to Jobert working uh, behind this episode possible. Thank you to Justin, who had to bail early. My name is Damon. This is IGN Games. And we're out. Let me tell you how I get to work. I get into my car. Drive it out to Arlington. Don't even think about it anymore. Sit in traffic with the other jerks. Take exit 44. Drive a half mile underground. Remember, but I am not allowed
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, 
that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.